what joy it is to know that our sins are forgiven and that God loves us and that we have peace in heaven. And that is exactly what you have today because of Jesus our Savior. You have the forgiveness of sins. You have peace in heaven with God all because of Jesus our Savior, our King. It's this peace of heaven that brings us so much joy on earth. In fact, it brings us joy in all circumstances because we know that peace in heaven has been won. And yet I'm willing to bet that all of you have things in your life where you look and you say, man, if only that was gone, then I'd have peace. And then I'd have even more joy. If only, if only this area of my life was fixed up a little bit, uh, if only this area of my life was changed in just a little bit, then I'd have more peace and then I'd have more joy. Maybe it's something at work. Maybe you got deadlines coming up and, and the deadlines are just hanging over you. And if these deadlines just passed, if you could get everything done, the stress and anxiety would be off of you. And then, then you'd have more peace and then you'd have more joy. Maybe your company is going through a, a little financial crisis time and they're going to be laying people off. And you can't stop thinking, is it going to be me? Is it going to be my friend? How is this going to work? What's going to happen? And if only this thing passed, or if only they could find more money, then I'd be at peace and then I'd have more joy. Maybe it's a family issue. Maybe we're not getting along with a sibling. Maybe uh, every day is a battle with our kids. If, If they would just get along for once, then I'd have more peace and more joy. Maybe our parents are sick. And if only they were healthy, if only God restored their health, then, then I'd have peace and then I'd have more joy. Maybe it's our own health. Maybe it's our own finances. Maybe it's where we're at in life. We bought a house and we thought we were going to be happy where we're living, but that house isn't as great as we thought it was. The neighborhood's not really as great as we thought it was. And so uh, if we could just move to a different location, then I'd have more peace and more joy. And so what do we do? We turn to the King Jesus, right? We turn to Jesus who can answer prayers. We turn to Jesus, the maker of heaven and earth. We turn to Jesus who can do anything. And we expect Him to help us. And yet... Is that fair and fair expectation of our king? Is that who our king is? And does our expectations of our king affect the joy that we have? These are questions we're going to answer today as we look at Palm Sunday when our king enters Jerusalem for the final time. And what we're going to see is we're going to see who Jesus really is, what He did, and how all of it brings us joy no matter what. We're in Luke chapter 19, beginning with verse 28. It is Sunday before Jesus dies. So, Palm Sunday, it's in the morning. Jesus, I take that back, it's actually afternoon. Because in the morning, Jesus left Jericho and walked six hours to Jerusalem. And so he's right outside Jerusalem, uh, approaching towns called Bethany and Bethphage as we pick up the story. Alright, so we're in Luke chapter 19, beginning with verse 28. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. 
As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Say, The Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. All right, so as I mentioned, Jesus went from Jericho and he's coming approaching Jerusalem. So he comes up to Bethany, Bethphage, uh, to the Mount of Olives. But before he gets to Bethany, he sends two disciples ahead and he says, Hey, go to the, go to the village ahead of you. And when you enter, you're going to find a donkey, a colt tied there. Untie it and bring it to me. Why? Jesus is orchestrating, he's arranging his own parade. That's what he's doing here. He's arranging a parade for him to enter Jerusalem and because now he's finally ready for everyone to recognize that he's the king. What's interesting is that Jesus is now ready to recognize it because in the past, what, what have we seen Jesus do? Jesus avoids crowds that want to make him king. He walks through crowds that are trying to make him king. But now, Jesus says, let's set up this parade. I'm ready to be recognized as king. Why? Because now is the time for him to die. Now is the time for him to go to the cross. And he wants everyone to know that he is, in fact, king. And so he sends those two disciples ahead. They find it just as he says. There's a colt, a donkey there, that they untie. What's interesting is that as a king, you would never ride a donkey. Well, you would at peace times. But when you're going to war, you wouldn't ride a donkey. You ride a horse. A big war horse, you would ride into battle. But here, Jesus says, let me take a donkey. It was a lowlier animal, a humbler animal, one that they would ride around towns in peacetime, but never into battle. And Jesus says, I'm going to ride this donkey into my final battle, into the city to conquer. The disciples untie it, bring it to Jesus. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Seen, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. The disciples bring the donkey to Jesus, and there's no saddle, and so they put their cloaks on it. Donkeys have really coarse hair, and if you remember what they wear during this time, it's like basically a big robe. And so if Jesus were to sit on it, that coarse hair rubs against his legs, and it wouldn't feel good. So the disciples put their own cloaks on it for Jesus to sit on. And they start approaching Jerusalem. And a crowd picks up behind them. And they start laying their cloaks in front of Jesus as if he's king. We're not told here in Luke, but from the other Gospels, we're told that they're cutting down palm branches and putting it down in front of him as well. They are welcoming the king. And then they approach the the top of the Mount of Olives, looking down over Jerusalem. Here's what it looks like today. Here, you're at the top of the Mount of Olives, you're looking down into Jerusalem. Uh, here's the, the Kidron Valley, that's now a road, 
But Jesus was here, and He's looking down over Jerusalem. And we see people start praising. Praising God. And here's your first point today. Your expectations of the King will affect your joy. Your expectations of the King will affect your joy. As Jesus is looking down here, and the crowd is following Him and going out in front of Him, they start shouting. They start praising God. They start yelling and singing. And they start saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. These people were shouting for joy. It's like they were at a sporting event. Just shouting, praising, praising God and yelling on the top of their voices. I wonder if you were in Jerusalem, if you just heard the roar of the crowd coming across the top from down from the mountain into the city. And you had to be wondering, what is going on? And then you look up and you see at the top of the mountain a crowd and Jesus is walking, riding down on a donkey. And the excitement builds. And more and more people start shouting for joy. The King is coming. But did you catch what brings them so much joy? Did you catch why they are rejoicing? They say it. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. They may not have understood how this was going to happen, but they recognized that through Jesus, through this King, there was peace in heaven. Through this man, this God-man Jesus, salvation was going to be complete, peace was going to be restored in heaven. No longer did they wonder whether God was angry at them. No longer did they wonder if God forgotten about them. No longer did they have to wonder if, if God was going to reject them or not when they entered heaven. Peace in heaven was restored because of Him. And they shouted for joy. And they rejoiced. And they praised. And it was a happy time. But then we see another reaction, don't we? Jesus enters Jerusalem and a group called the Pharisees, the Jewish religious leaders, they come over to Jesus and and they're not rejoicing. In fact, they're a little angry and, and they say to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. To which Jesus says, If they stop, the stones will cry out because God has entered the city as king coming to save. Why did the, the Pharisees respond that way? You see, the, the Pharisees were expecting a king not to bring peace in heaven. They were expecting a king to come to earth and bring peace here. Get rid of the oppression of the Romans. Get rid of the hungry people. And by get rid of them, meaning feed them. Get rid of our problems. Get rid of all of the troubles that we have in life. That's what they wanted the King Messiah to be. To come and bring peace to earth. Peace to their situations. That's what they wanted the king to do. They didn't want a king who would come and bring peace in heaven. Because here's a sad reality. 
They didn't think they needed it. The sad reality is that they thought that they had peace in heaven. Why? Because they were at the temple every day. Because of how well they knew Scripture. Because of their generosity. Because of how often they fasted. Because of what they gave up to be a follower of God. Because of how moral they lived. They thought because of themselves... They had peace in heaven already. They didn't need someone to accomplish that. They needed someone to come and take care of what they can't, which is the Romans, which is hunger, which is the problems of this life. And that's what they were expecting the king to be. And Jesus was anything but that. In fact, Jesus came and He opposed them all the time, telling them that they actually don't have peace in heaven. And so they disliked Jesus. In fact, they hated Him so much that they wanted to kill Him. But this is why they didn't have joy that day when Jesus entered. Because they they weren't looking for a king to bring peace in heaven. They were looking for a king to bring peace here. And so here's my question for you this morning. What's your expectation? What do you expect from King Jesus? We all have expectations of Him, don't we? We all know that He is the King of the world. He is the Maker of heaven and earth. We believe that He is God Himself, that He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And so what do we expect of Him? After all, we're His faithful followers, right? If I'm honest, and I hope you are, I I expect Jesus to answer my prayers. I expect the very first time that I pray that, God's going to, that Jesus is going to snap His fingers, say the word, and take care of the problem. That's what I expect. Because after all, He's the King. And I'm a faithful follower. And yet when He doesn't, what's my response? Is it similar to the Pharisees? Do I rebuke Him a little bit? Jesus, why aren't you taking care of my problems? Why aren't you bringing me peace? You want me to have joy, but you're not taking care of my family problems. You're not taking care of my health issues. You're not uh, bringing me peace from my finances. You're not doing what I need you to do. Why am I struggling? Why am I being oppressed if you're the king and I'm your follower? I expect you to help me. And yet when He doesn't, we respond like the Pharisees. You want to know what's a really revealing question? And it reveals our hearts in not a good way. If Jesus were to only bring you peace in heaven, would that be enough? If you were going through suffering and troubles in this life, and you prayed to Jesus, and Jesus said, I made peace in heaven for you. That's enough. Would it be enough for you? If I'm honest with myself, I'd have to say no. I have more expectations of my king than that. Because honestly, honestly, if, if I'm honest again, Peace in heaven isn't as impressive as peace on earth. 
Why is that? Because each one of us has a little Pharisee inside of us. Each one of us have, has a heart filled with sin. And that heart contains pride, arrogance, and self-righteousness. My heart looks and says, I can gain peace in heaven by myself. I can do it through my moral living. I can do it because I live better than the majority of people. I can do it because of my church attendance record. I can do it because I read my Bible every day. I can do it because I pray every day. I can do it because of my generosity. And what we do is we take this record of all the things that we think are good, and we say, of course I have peace in heaven. Of course I have God's love. Look at what I've done. Look at me. And when I look at my record... and I think I'm at peace with God because of it, I then look at what Jesus did in bringing peace in heaven and I say, thanks, but it's not overly impressive. Help me with this situation instead. But here's the reality. When we die and we get to the gates of God's kingdom, the king is going to stand by the gate and he's going to say, can I help you? And we're going to say, we're here. We're here to enter your, your kingdom. And he's going to say, on what basis? And if we say, look at my record, here's my church attendance records, here's my Bible study records, my prayer records, my generosity, look at everything I've done. God's going to say, big deal. So what? You need to be perfect to enter here. You can't have any sin. And in fact, you're a sinner. And my army and me, we go to war against sin. We go to war against sinners. You can't enter here. In fact, I'm going to conquer you and throw you into the pit of hell. That's what he would say if we approach God's kingdom on the basis of our obedience, on the basis of what we've done. And that's what the Pharisees were doing. And when we approach God with that same mindset, what Jesus did for us is not that impressive because we believe that we can accomplish it ourselves. And yet without Jesus, without our King, we are barred from heaven. The gate is closed. And that's what makes Palm Sunday so joyful. Because our King came to bring peace in heaven. This is the joy of Palm Sunday. Jesus enters the city to make peace with God for us. This is the joy that we have on this day. Because our king rode into the city to conquer our enemies. And yet, he didn't ride in like a normal king. He didn't ride in on a war horse. He didn't have armor. He had no weapons. He didn't have an army. Jesus rode in on a donkey. On a lowly donkey. Not as a conqueror, but as a sacrifice. Jesus rode in like a lamb to the slaughter, and in just a few days, He would die. He would be arrested, and He would die. And through the shedding of His blood, He made peace in heaven for you. He made peace with God for you. Because through the shedding of His blood, He forgave you all of your sins. 
Through His resurrection on Easter morning, He conquered the grave. You are at peace with God, and now when you get to the gate of heaven, God says, come on in. You are sinless. You are perfect because of my King who shed His blood for you. And so here's what that leads to. Peace in heaven leads to joy on earth. When Jesus entered Palm, uh, Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday, people rejoiced and they praised Him. And they were excited because peace in heaven was established, restored. Did they still have oppression by the Romans? Yes. Did, were they still hungry? Yes. Were people still sick? Yes. Their problems didn't go away. But they still had joy because peace in heaven was restored. That's the peace that we have too, no matter the circumstances. Peace in heaven has been restored. And so guess what that does for every single problem that we face on this life, in this earth? It makes it temporary. No matter how long it is, it's a temporary problem. God is going to remove it. If not now, when we get to the gates of heaven, He will restore everything to us twice as much, Zechariah says. That is our God. And so one, it puts our problems into perspective. They're temporary. And because of that, we have joy. Because we know that it's going to, be, it's going to go away. But also we have a king who is on our side and giving us what we need to persevere through the trials and tribulations of this world. Our king is on his throne. Our king has control. Our king will get us through until we reach God's kingdom where we will rest and have joy forever. It's because we know we have the joy of heaven to look forward to that we can have joy in all circumstances and we can have joy to the fullest. I saw uh, the new trailer for The Lion King coming out on July 19th, the, the new live version. Uh, and there's a line in there that I don't remember. I, I shouldn't say that because I haven't seen the movie. But in the trailer, there's a line in there that I don't remember from the, the original. And it's Mufasa talking to Simba. And Mufasa says, While others look to take from others, a true king looks to give. Our true king gave everything so that he could give us peace. Our true king gave himself on that first Palm Sunday. He gave himself to the cross, to the will of the people, in order that we may have peace in heaven forever. That is what our true king has given us. And that's the joy that we have today and always. May God be with you this week as you live in that joy, knowing that heaven is yours. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we praise and thank You that You are King of the world, that You uh, have everything, and yet You give of Yourself for us. We thank You for giving us peace in heaven, knowing that our sins are forgiven, knowing that death has been conquered. Uh, and that really puts, pers- uh, puts all of our problems into perspective. Uh, we thank You that they're only temporary, that they will end one day, and we will live in the joy uh, of heaven being restored twice as much, You tell us. We thank you for that. We ask that you fill us with your love, fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we may uh, adore you, acclaim you, and praise and worship you as the King that you are, uh, that you would live for us and serve us in the way that you, you did. Help us to uh, love and serve you. In your name we pray. Amen.